Hi everyone. Welcome to the Desi Crime Podcast. I am Ashwarya, your host for this episode. And I'm Aryan. Before we start the case for today, we want all of you to go over to our Patreon and subscribe for amazing exclusive features like merch, awesome extra episodes, early access episodes, video calls with us, and more. To help the podcast out and to avail these benefits, go to www.patreon.com/desicrime and select a tier that works best for you. We'd also like to thank our newest patron, Arshpreet Kaur. Thank you for any contribution you make in helping run this podcast. It means the world to us. On the 31st of December 2020, the world was coming together to celebrate the end of what had been an incredibly hard year for everyone around the world. The pandemic had left families in shambles and communities in mourning. But the end of the year almost signified a new beginning, a fresh start and a hope for a better future for everyone, including the Kukrejas. Little did they all know, New Year's of 2020 would become the night that changed their lives forever, the last night that the Kukrejas would ever be the same family again. This is the story of that family. This is the story of 19-year-old Janvi Kukreja. So Aryan we have four videos up and running on YouTube. What do you think? How do you think the response has been? I've just been so giggly and happy just looking at the comments people write and the amount of people that have already viewed the episodes. It's really crazy to me. No, it's honestly surreal. I mean, we've talked about this before. It was a pet project or a dream project for the two of us and now with the yeah. team, the fact that we could actually realize it and for people to respond the way they have responded it it's been surreal honestly in every possible way it's been surreal but i i i am waiting for that one moment and i know it takes time with the youtube journey for that one video to go viral and then it all <laughs> right. you know takes off but it's still been absolutely spectacular whatever the response has been up until now and aryan you're right about this being a pet project i think most of our listeners don't know that we started a youtube channel very very long ago and we actually tried recording a video in our college yeah, on campus don't library with like really bad equipment we didn't know yeah. what we were doing we had no editing skills whatsoever all Horrible. our wires to the equipment were showing it was really hilarious but we yeah. tried so this has been a while in the making and we're so happy to receive the kind of love that we have so if you haven't already checked out the desi crime youtube channel go check it out this four go videos check up, it go out like share subscribe yeah also we didn't mention but a quick mention we got a brilliantly written article in the hindu which features the desi crime podcast and yes, shout out to morning. them for yeah this morning and you know your listeners dm us uh and that's how we find out we've been mentioned in an article And speaking of DMs, 
that's how we found out about the case we are covering today. Many cases that we cover on the podcast are cases Ashwarya and I have some context to, say, Arushi Talwar or the Tandoor murder. These are cases we know about and then we start researching them. But there are so many cases that Ashwarya and I have simply never heard about and it's you listeners who DM us with recommendations that we parse through and choose a case. Today's case is one such case. Back in December of 2020, I remember Ashwarya, our Instagram DMs were filled with, please cover the Kukreja case. Please cover the Kukreja case. And, you know, I had no idea what this case was about. And frankly, I hadn't even read about it in the newspapers up until we got those DMs. I do not remember if that case has seen any closure. I don't remember any perpetrators. I do not remember any court cases or convictions. So I'm fascinated to see what you have found and what happened with this case, Shwarya. Oh, I know. There was so much grey area in this case from the beginning, Aryan, where there were Reddit pages full of people speculating and trying to make sense of what had happened that night. But nobody really seemed to know what went down. I knew I needed to make sense of this case for myself and for our listeners at some point. And now, as we almost reach the second anniversary of this crime, a lot has happened to unpack. Okay, so tell us, Ashwara, where are we going today? Today, we're going to Mumbai in the year 2020, the last day of the year 2020, at the home of a happy, close-knit and loving family living in Santa Cruz. It was a family of four. Prakash Kukreja, his wife Nidhi Kukreja, their younger daughter, 13-year-old Manya Kukreja, and their older daughter, 19-year-old Janvi Kukreja, a student at the Jai Hindu College where she was studying psychology. Now, it was the 31st of December, so the city of Mumbai was celebrating. Celebrating like the rest of the world. Celebrating a new year, new resolutions, celebrating with their families, and the Kukrejas were no different. But the Kukrejas weren't just celebrating the end of the year. They were celebrating Prakash Kukreja's 51st birthday. The home was bustling with laughter from the family and from their friends, including their neighbours, the Padankars. The Padankars and the Kukrejas were very, very close. Their homes shared a wall together with their main entrances at a 90-degree angle to each other's. And they had lived next door for years now. The Padankars also had a daughter, 19-year-old Dia, who was Janvi's best friend. The girls were in and out of each other's houses every day and the same was true that night. Janvi would spend some time with her parents, then walk over to Dia's house and then she and all her friends would come back to cut the cake for her father's birthday. And by 10pm that night, that's what they all did. They all gathered inside the Kukreja household to cut Prakash Kukreja's birthday cake. They sang him his regular quintessential happy birthday song. He blew the candles, they cut the cake, they passed around a piece of cake to everyone, they clicked lots of family pictures that night. When Janvi and Dia asked their parents if they could go over to a friend's house to celebrate at his New Year's party for a bit. Another friend of theirs, 22-year-old boy Sri Jodhankar, had come over to the Kukreja house and wanted to go with the girls to this party at their friend Yash Ahuja's house. But it was already 12am by that time and it was Janvi's curfew time. It was also curfew time in the city of Mumbai during COVID. 
Janvi's father Prakash told the three kids that it was late. It wasn't safe to be going around at that time in the night, especially on New Year's when people are drunk at night and driving back home from parties. And so he asked the kids to just stay at their home and chill and hang out there instead. But the kids insisted it was New Year's after all. And by all accounts, Janvi had a reputation for being a responsible young girl. She was academically very bright. She was a thoughtful young girl who had voluntarily chosen to donate blood many times in the past. She was a caring daughter and a loving sister. Sure, it's funny. We've I don't remember covering a case where the victim is not good at academics. It's kind of a failure. Is <laughs> irresponsible. That's true. The parents don't like her. That's never been the case. It's always these front benchers, academic stars that end up being victims. All the caring, loving members of a family. Caring, yeah, loving, which is really yeah, unfortunate. Yeah. And, and there's a selection sad. bias happening. I'm, I'm guessing, right? But right, of course. Yeah. Anyway. No, you're right. By all accounts, Janvi was what any Indian parent would describe as an ideal daughter. On New Year's, she had been home celebrating her father's birthday and not out partying like a lot of other kids her age. So when she insisted on going just for half an hour with her friends, friends that her parents deeply trusted, they eventually agreed to let her go. Janvi walked in to wear a different pair of shoes for the party but couldn't find the ones she was looking for. Her mother took off her own pair of shoes and gave them to her daughter and hugged her goodbye. But Janvi's parents told her to give them a call when the party was over so they could come and pick the kids up instead of having them all drive back late at night. The three of them were elated. Aran, I think every brown kid knows all too well the excitement of being allowed to go to a party you weren't initially given the permission to go to. It takes a little bit of convincing, a little bit of emotional blackmailing, sometimes even some fighting to go to a party as an Indian kid, especially at 12 in the night. Are you kidding me? The permission is more fun than the party itself. I agree. So excited at being allowed to go, Janvi, Dia and Shri all left the Kukreja household to go to the high-rise building named Bhagwanti Heights in Khar in which Yash lived for a rooftop party. The half an hour by which they'd all said they'd be back slowly passed away and it was now 12.30. But Janvi's parents knew better than to think that she'd be back exactly at the time she had promised. They weren't worried that she wasn't back yet. But then an hour passed away and it was now 1.30am. The clocks had turned and it was 2021. Janvi wasn't back home yet. They still weren't worried, but as far as they were concerned, she should have been back home by now or at least leaving Yash's house soon. Nidhi Kukreja, Janvi's mother, said that at 1.30am, her husband called Janvi. The number was busy and nobody picked up. Quote, we called her twice after that, but she didn't respond. But since the party venue was just five minutes away, we didn't worry much. End quote. But little did the Kukrejas know, in the two hours since their daughter had left their house, Something had transpired within the walls of the high-rise where they had all gone to party. Something so sinister that it would leave all of India in shock. Now, an accurate picture of the events of that night are still not available for us to know. But from all of the information we do have, the story of a very gruesome crime emerges. 
At this party, according to the other friends present there, Shri, Diya, and Janvi all stood in a separate corner of the terrace with another female friend who was allegedly throwing up. All of these kids had been drinking. Some reports say that some of them were even smoking weed. And by no means is it unusual to find a 19-20 year old throwing up at a New Year's party. So nobody's alarm bells were ringing just yet. Yeah, it'd be it'd be weird if there wasn't a 19-20 year old yeah. throwing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree. When this girl started throwing up, Dia escorted her down from the terrace. A while later, Dia returned and apparently was getting a little close with Shri. Shri had also consumed alcohol and watching him get close to Dia made Janvi angry. According to the Times of India, the two were, quote, cozying up, which made Janvi very, very angry for some reason. This specific point is the beginning of all love triangle theories in the case. Janvi's mother says those theories aren't accurate. A police officer has come forward to say that when Janvi saw the two together like that, she got angry and screamed at the two, which led to Dia slapping Janvi and walking off the terrace. When Dia walked off the terrace, Shri followed her and then so did Janvi. Now at around the time that Janvi walked off the terrace at about 1.30 a.m. in the night when her parents were calling her and her phone was busy, Janvi had called up a different friend of hers, a friend named Parnika, and Janvi was crying on this call. On this call, a crying Janvi was telling Parnika that she was scared that Dia was going to do something to herself. Parnika asked Janvi where Dia was and Dia said, I don't know, I'm going to find her. Parinika asked Janvi if she wanted her to talk to Dia instead, but Janvi said no, she was going to look for her and would call Parinika tomorrow. That call got cut. Then Janvi made two other phone calls to two separate friends, both of which got cut. These calls never went through and Janvi never had a conversation with these two friends. All right, Ashwara, let me interrupt you for a second because this is a web of friends that is now panning out. So just for context, can you establish how many friends are there and what are their relationships to each other? There's about 12 to 15 friends at this rooftop party, right? And all of them know each other from either school Hmm. or from common friends. For example, Dia and Janvi have known each other for 13 years. At this point, they've lived Hmm. in the same building. Also from Janvi's building, five other girls were also at this party. So all of these people lived in the same building. Some of them knew each other through common friends. So it wasn't a new circle of college friends. It was an old established circle of people. And just to clear this up for our listeners, Dia, Shri and Janvi are the three people that came to this party. The girl that was throwing Mm. up was someone that they met at the party and the party was at the house of a boy named Yash. I hope that clears this up for everyone. Now, Janvi had made these three calls to her friends, crying. Clearly, there was something that Janvi was trying to tell someone. What she was trying to tell them, we don't know till date. After this, Janvi went looking for Dia, but never returned to the party. In fact, she didn't return to the party either. Only Dia did. Dia went over to Yash's house. She ate dinner at his house and fell asleep in a room there. She woke up in the middle of the night and realized that her lip was bleeding, which is when she called her father, Samir Padankar, who took her to Hinduja Hospital. But between the phone calls Janvi had made and Diaz going back to Yash's house to eat dinner and fall asleep, somehow Shri had gotten very badly injured too. 
he had a fractured rib a head injury a hand injury and scratches all over his back and he had gone to a completely different hospital a few hours ago but when diya went back up to yash's house she didn't tell anyone of whatever incident transpired she didn't tell anyone where janvi was she didn't tell anyone that shri was injured she just ate food got into bed and fell asleep nobody asked where janvi was when diya's father took his daughter to hinduja hospital at around 3 am he then got a call from yash's parents saying that a resident in the building who was coming back from walking their dog had found janvi's body lying on the first floor in a pool of blood however there's a different version of the story which says that it was in fact diya's father who found janvi's body on the first floor but chose not to take her to the hospital where he was taking his own daughter This would explain why in every interview of Janvi's mother she keeps asking why nobody took her daughter to the hospital she keeps asking why nobody took her daughter to the hospital soon enough or why her daughter was taken to a different hospital than Shri or Diya Okay so Janvi wasn't taken to Hinducha hospital No she wasn't in fact it's actually kind of weird to me that all three people injured at this party that night Janvi Diya and Shri all went to three separate hospitals from the same location which was Yash's house something about that doesn't quite sit right with me it's that weird tiny detail that could be completely coincidental but perhaps points to something more sinister ashwarya up until now nothing about this sits right with me having a bleeding lip but being catatonic going back to his house eating dinner not telling anybody yeah. about what happened so I think for me the hospitals are the least of my concerns at the moment. No, I agree there is a lot going wrong with this story. Now even though Dia was taken to the hospital at around 3 a.m., Janvi was taken to the hospital at around 5 a.m. and her parents were called at around 5:15. Janvi's mother told the humans of Bombay, quote, "What transpired in those 2 hours is still a mystery." At 5 a.m. we got a call from Diya's father saying an accident had taken place. He asked us to come to the police station. Terrified, we rushed there. The cops told us Janvi is no more. I couldn't breathe. Prakash burst into tears. She was 19. End quote. 51-year-old Prakash had collapsed in the police station while Nidhi Kukreja couldn't find the courage to speak. But even up until this point that night it felt like perhaps there had been an unfortunate accident. This reminds me of what Barun Thakur thought when he got a call from Ryan International saying that his son was in the hospital. The worst thought in his mind and in the mind of Nidhi and Prakash Kukreja was that right. there had been an accident. Perhaps Janvi had gotten drunk and fallen and hurt herself. Maybe she had slipped. A hundred different explanations, but none as sinister as the truth in this case. When the couple went down to Baba Hospital to identify the body of their daughter, it took precisely one look at her body to tell that her death was no accident. No sane person in the world could look at that 19-year-old's body and consider it an accident. Quote, I was trembling when they took us to identify her body. She was brutally scathed. 
It wasn't an accident. My daughter was murdered. It was confirmed in the postmortem. Janvi had 48 injuries and a skull fracture. End quote. Of these 48 injuries, some were on her private parts, but the postmortem revealed no sign of sexual assault. But it wasn't just 48 injuries and a skull fracture, though. After seeing their daughter's body, the couple went to the crime scene where Janvi's body was found. There, they saw a huge pool of blood where her body was, but her body was on the first floor. There was blood on the staircase all the way leading up to the eighth floor. One shoe of hers was found on the first floor with her body, but the other was up on the eighth floor. The bangles she was wearing, the earrings she was wearing, her rubber band were all found scattered between the two floors, with huge chunks of her hair lying all throughout the staircase, leading the cops to believe she was dragged down by her hair. Ashwara, and which floor is Yash's house on? Yash's house is on the second floor. Interesting. Okay, and. Do we know how many floors are there in this building? How tall is it? This building has about nine or ten floors. Yeah. Right. So the eighth floor is one of the higher floors, but it yes, has nothing it to do with Yash's house, right? Like as to why she would be on the eighth floor, that's puzzling. That is very puzzling, and it's something Janvi's mom Nidhi Kukreja brings up in her interviews as well. She asks why the kids didn't just use the elevator. If this wasn't a premeditated murder, what were they doing on the staircase of the eighth floor to begin with? That is weird. Yes, her skull fracture makes them think that her head was banged on the wall with great force on purpose while she was being dragged down. There was also an injury to the back of her head with a sharp object. There's no doubt in anyone's mind. Not after seeing the crime scene, this was a murder, and the cops knew exactly where to begin their investigation. The kids at the party, especially Dia and Shri, the two friends of Janvi's, who also somehow had injuries that night, but said nothing to anyone about them. From the questioning, some weird details came forward that quickly made Dia and Shri very strong suspects in the eyes of the cops and Janvi's parents. Remember, Dia had slept in Yash's house that night. On the bed sheet in which she slept, there was blood. Now, some of that was hers from her bleeding lip, but some of that blood matched that of Janvi. The same was true for Shri. His friends had seen him with blood on his clothes before his father came to pick him up. Now, obviously, he was injured too, but some of the blood on his clothes matched that of Janvi. Whether or not these two kids had directly murdered Janvi, they were certainly there when Janvi was killed, and they weren't giving anyone the full story. But understand what this means. This is a 19-year-old girl and a 22-year-old boy who suddenly became prime suspects in one of the most brutal murders Mumbai had seen in a while. And these weren't just any random 19 and 22-year-olds. They were both two of Janvi's closest friends. Imagine how many times in our lives we go places with our friends because we find safety and comfort in their presence. Imagine, on the other hand, being murdered by your friends. Janvi's mother told humans of Bombay, "Quote: The cops identified Dia and Shri as suspects. I couldn't digest it. Dia and Janvi had been friends for 13 years. 
she often came home for dinner end quote when the cops finally began questioning the people at the party 70 some people including the parents of all the kids and the building residents nobody seemed to know anything everyone said they didn't hear anything they didn't see anything nothing seemed suspicious it was a normal new year's night this almost reminds me of the jessica lal case where so many people at a party where a woman was murdered remembered nothing But I understand Janvi's mom's frustration when in every interview she keeps asking how nobody heard her daughter being brutally murdered. It was late in the night sure, but not that late. It was New Year's night when everyone was partying, hardly anyone was asleep at 1am. How could a fully grown girl be dragged down seven flights of stairs, but nobody heard anything? Quote, everyone at the party was questioned. but they either didn't remember anything or weren't around but how is that possible janvi must have screamed in pain if they'd informed us in time she might have survived end quote the ayan shri kept saying they did not know how they sustained the injuries they had eventually however shri's story changed and he claimed there was another man involved in the incident who came to attack all three of them But this sudden change in his story doesn't explain why he and Dia were taken to the hospital much before Janvi was. It also doesn't explain why the two of them didn't raise alarm that Janvi was hurt. Unfortunately, since the investigation for this case is still ongoing, the information the cops reveal is hardly any and few and far in between. Both Dia and Shri have been in police custody since a few days after the murder. Unfortunately since there are no eyewitnesses to this case all pieces of evidence are circumstantial there is dna evidence that links janvi and shri to the scene of the crime but that doesn't prove that they killed her despite that because they are so closely tied to the crime and because the courts think that there's a very real risk that they'll try to speak to the other kids at the party that night which would hamper the investigation the two have continued to be in police custody for 2 years now shri has continued to file for his bail but his request has gotten denied time and time again by the courts dia got her second bail request accepted but has since been put behind bars again she now asked for bail again this year to be able to celebrate rakhi but got her request denied ashwari i do not have the legal wherewithal to answer this question but it's a question that naturally props up is it okay to keep somebody behind the bars when they're not guilty but simply because they might hamper the investigation that doesn't feel right to me so iran is not just the fact that they might hamper the investigation it's also the fact that they are very closely tied to the crime there is blood on both of their clothes that was identified as janvi's both of them left the building without letting anyone know that janvi was hurt clearly they were at the scene of the crime they have no sensible explanations for their own injuries their stories don't add up it's not just the fact that they would hamper the investigation it's that they are very real suspects in this case So this is where we're at now. Both of these kids are in jail. I don't even know if I should call them kids, but they're both in prison right now. They keep requesting for bail. Dia has gotten it accepted once, but she has gotten it denied time and time again. From prison, Dia wrote Janvi's parents an email which she didn't address to them. It's an email she addressed 
to Janvi. I don't know what to think of Dia, whether she is a troubled young person who's committed murder or an innocent girl caught up in a horrible crime. What I do know is this: the email that she wrote is the most ingenuine-sounding email I have ever read in my life. It said this: "Dear Janvi, समझ नहीं आ रहा है क्या करूं तेरे बिना." I can't breathe sometimes. I miss you so much. The world feels ugly without you. People are so ugly, sharpening their tongues on swords, saying the cruelest things. I would never hurt you. I love you so much. Every day my heart breaks a little more. I wish you were here. Life is hell without you. Everything is hell. Aadhi jaan to tere saath hi chali gayi. It hurts me. Pains me to think that people say that I hurt you. that it was my fault i wouldn't even touch a hair on your head you're so special to me baby girl please tell me we're going to be okay i don't feel okay without you i'd give you justice myself but i'll never be given a chance people spread lies and no one wants to know what the truth is a web of lies and games and i'm stuck right in it i'm so so tired i just want to hold your small hand and look at you and smile I would give anything to hear your voice right now. What was you was me. What am I now? I want you to be happy wherever you are. Ek din milenge meri jaan. Remember, I love you always. Dia. End quote. Ashwarya, can I play devil's yes. advocate? Go for it. And this is not me playing devil's advocate so much as using devil's advocate as a cover for what I truly believe. and what i truly believe is this doesn't sound genuine to me it sounds pretty genuine now i again like guilt you know innocent until guilty you and i believe this firmly these are principles we hold Absolutely. dear to any judicial system so i'm not going to make claims about whether she is guilty or not i do think both of them are involved in the murder but exclusively speaking of this letter i don't think it's genuine It's interesting you say that Aryan because the lawyers for the Kukrejas came forward very strongly against this letter claiming that this was Dia's attempt at influencing the investigation in deeply inauthentic and cunning ways. I see why the lawyers feel that way and I think I agree with them more than I agree with you because Dia addressed this letter to her dead friend. Obviously Janvi isn't going to read it. She knows her parents would read it. She was trying to convey to them a message. For Janvi's parents, life stalled still to the last day of 2020. Janvi's mother, who visits every court hearing whether or not she's required to, who's quit her job to take care of her other daughter and to fight for Janvi's justice, said, "Quote: For the first two days, I was numb. I kept asking myself, why would somebody kill my daughter?" She was kind and good at academics. She aspired to study abroad, so we were saving up for that. But when I got the post-mortem report, my blood boiled. I didn't want to sit and cry. I decided to fight. I hired lawyers and pressed charges. I spoke to Janvi's friends in search of new evidence. I don't want any parent to go through what we did. It's been 2 weeks since Janvi was murdered. The case is in court now. and we're just waiting imagine if your daughter or sister went to a new year's party and never came back home how would you feel 
none of the children present at the party that night have spoken to me since Janvi's death, despite my many efforts to reach out to them. The Ahujas at whose house the party was did not call me even to condole. I know these kids, the lawyers don't. These children have often slept at my home when they got home late and feared that their own parents would shout at them, but I always made it a point to inform the parents that the children were at my home so they wouldn't worry. Yet when my daughter was so brutally attacked, not one parent did me the courtesy of even phoning from the police station to let me know what had happened. They avoid us like the plague. If they even see our car coming, they turn theirs around. End quote. The couple's younger daughter, Manya, has undergone intensive counselling over the last two years to deal with the trauma of her sister's brutal death. The hurt runs very deep in this family and every interview reveals that. Prakash Kukreja's birthday will never, ever again be a reason for celebration in his life. It was the last night he saw his daughter alive. 2021 will never be the year of new beginnings and new goals for this family. It will always be the year they experienced an unimaginable loss in the most horrific way possible. While the whole world was celebrating, the Kukreja's daughter's death will forever be one of the first registered murders in the world of the year 2021. Prakash Kukreja says, quote, we have had 365 sleepless nights in 2021. We attended all court hearings to get justice for my daughter, who was killed by her childhood friends on the very first day of the year. End quote. For this case, there is more evidence, information and details yet to be uncovered as the trial begins and both sides present their cases. When that happens, you know where to look for an update episode. Right here on the Desi Crime Podcast. Till then, stay safe, stay crazy, stay Desi.